Poso maoni work, why one and Kitan anymore, a Yoski Pietaya, Posnotaman, a Yum, MITW podcast, a Yospis Pietaya, Posnapi Notaman, and a Hisekimaka, a Yoso Matnamene Hokihi. Welcome to the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin podcast. We are your hosts, Gary Dodge and Sheena Mapus. On this episode, we are joined by guest Vaughn Bowles. He is the public information officer for the Incident Command Center for the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin, and he's here to answer some of our COVID-19 questions. Welcome, Vaughn. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Again, as usual. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's good times. so for our first topic, I thought we could just kind of go over what the treatment timeline is if you do become infected with COVID-19. Okay, so start at the very beginning. You've been exposed to someone who has a known case of positive COVID-19. First thing you should do, you want to put yourself in quarantine. That means you're going to isolate yourself um, from as many people as possible stay at your home and if you can stay in a part of the house where you don't come into contact frequently with your family members or pets do that um, that said once you've done that you'll want to contact your healthcare provider let them know that you've been in contact with someone who has covid um, usually it takes between 2 to 11 days uh, to experience any of the symptoms of covid 19 when you are exposed it usually takes about four days for enough virus to build up in your system to show up on a test. So you'll want to schedule testing with your healthcare provider. If you do get it and you do start experiencing symptoms, uh, the things that most likely will occur is you'll get a fever, a cough, uh, you'll feel fatigued or tired and worn down. Um, you'll also experience or may experience uh, what's known as anorexia, which is uh, a decreased desire to eat. Uh, you may be short of breath. You may be producing more phlegm or mucus than the normal, um, and you also might just feel tired. And in 10% of the cases, you may get diarrhea. Sorry if for those 10% of the people. Um, good news is most cases are considered mild to moderate, um, and that means you probably won't need to be hospitalized for your treatment, and so it'll simply be symptom support. So you'll want to stay home, drink lots of fluids, um, clear liquids like water, juices, things like that. If you have extra vitamins available, you'll definitely want to take them and sleep as much as you can. Those are the best ways for your body to fight off this type of infection at this point. Also, you want to stay isolated, um, away from family members, don't have friends come and visit, you know, stay away from the pets as well. Try not to spread it as little as possible at this point. Um, if you have some high risk factors like comorbidities, uh, you'll have a check-in by a healthcare provider, usually like the nurses from the community health department. They'll try to give you a call um, every day or so to check in and see how you're doing um, just to make sure that you're getting better. Um, in severe cases, these are the ones that need hospitalization. This is only about 13% of the cases that we found in Wisconsin. So not a lot of the people need to be hospitalized, but some do. Um, and in that case, um, they're going to be watching for things like pneumonia or um, hypoxic respiratory failure. Basically, it means um, you're not getting enough oxygen um, through your lungs into your blood system. So they'll supplement that with oxygen. Um, they're also going to watch out to make sure you don't go into something called septic shock. Um, 
COVID has this weird tendency to trigger uh, inflammatory reactions, pretty bad inflammatory reactions in some cases, in the severe cases. Um, and what that does is it kind of limits the circulation to your organs. Well, when that happens, uh, you have what's called ischemic damage. Ischemic damage just means there's not enough blood flow to that type of tissue. And if you don't have enough blood flow, that means the tissue isn't getting oxygen and it's also not getting the nutrients it needs to stay alive. So it starts dying and breaking down. Well, that can get into your bloodstream and your bloodstream is not supposed to have any sort of toxins um, or decomposed material in it. And so that, that's the beginning of something called septic shock. Um, it's bad news, it's bad news, um, it can kill you. And so they, they really try to prevent any, any sort of ischemic issues from occurring when you're hospitalized with this. Um, you could also have um, cardiomyopathy. Um, that's the big fancy word for when the muscles of your heart thicken. And the problem with that is if, you're, if your heart wall thickens, it can't pump and contract as well as normal, which means you can't pump blood around your body as well as you should. So they'll try to make sure that that doesn't occur as well. Um, they also watch out for acute uh, kidney injuries because that is the filter to your blood and you, well, you'll be sad if you don't have your kidneys functioning properly. We'll, we'll just say that. Um, so they'll put you on a kind of a cocktail of um, antivirals um, and uh, usually some type of uh, steroid to help your respiratory system um, to prevent things um, like this from occurring in the hospital. Um, they'll also you watch out for things like um, thrombosis or when you're, you're not moving around much in the hospital. So they'll try to keep you moving a little bit so you don't get blood clots um, because those obviously cause, you know, pretty severe problems as well. So good news is this doesn't happen to most people. Um, the people most likely to be hospitalized are those that have high risk factors. Um, those are things like your age. If you're older than the age of 65, it puts you at higher risk because your immune system doesn't work as well as when you were young. Um, if you're living in a nursing home or a long-term care facility or any type of group setting, um, that is also a high risk factor because um, it's a lot easier to spread because you're in close confines with people. Um, also, if you've had any sort of chronic lung disease or severe asthma, that also puts you at risk for any sort of respiratory disease. COVID is a respiratory disease, thus kind of puts you in uh, risk for that. Um, also, if you've had any sort of serious heart conditions, also one of the things they'll want to keep uh, an eye on, if you're immunocompromised in any way, um, that puts you at higher risk. Things that can compromise your immune system include things like cancer treatments, smoking, uh, whether you've received a bone marrow or organ transplant because you need to use um, immunocompromising drugs to you know, keep from rejecting those, those transplants. Um, also, if you have you know, poorly controlled HIV or AIDS, that definitely uh, compromises your immune system. Or if you've had um, any sort of type of uh, corticosteroids, those can depress your immune system. Uh, in addition, if you're severely overweight, um, we're talking like a BMI of 40 or above, that puts you at a higher risk for uh, you know, severe cases of COVID, as does diabetes or chronic kidney disease or chronic liver disease. So um, in most cases, you go through that checklist. If, if you have any of those symptoms, you know, now might be a time to, to consider how you're living your life, maybe make some changes to improve your health. Um, if you don't have any of those conditions, high five yourself and, you know, keep trying to live healthy. So that's, that's kind of the timeline. Um, usually the, the disease 
works itself through the system in about two to three weeks. Um, you know, people can be hospitalized for, you know, anywhere between several days, two weeks. Uh, usually when they discharge you, you're at a point where uh, the viral load has diminished in your bloodstream to the point where it's less likely that you'll pass it on to the community. Um, and they'll send you home for the remainder of your recovery time. So hopefully, um, if you do catch it, when you catch it, um, you can keep yourself healthy through symptom support and you won't have to go to the hospital. So that's kind of how it goes. So I wanted to ask you because I think you kind of maybe explained some of that in your last answer, but um, <clears throat> I have seen around the web actually quite a few times um, I've seen um, a couple of people claiming that this is more of a vascular disease rather rather than a respiratory disease. What what do you think about that? So, categorizing <clears throat> COVID nineteen or SARS COVID two, however you want, whatever you want to name it, as mm -hmm. a respiratory disease would be um, incorrect. And okay. the reason for that is because when they're classifying diseases, uh, they actually look at the life cycle of the virus mm -hmm. and its transmission routes. Um, this one, you know, is a respiratory type virus. It's spread through breathing, coughing, sneezing, laughing, spitting on things, you know, babies drooling, whatever. Um, and so that's how it, you know, transmits into the environment. And that's also how you get it into your system. Um, it does have a lot of vascular complications. And so that might be why they're saying it's a vascular disease because you know, in, in the more severe cases, you get a lot of inflammation reactions, a lot of issues dealing with the circulatory system. So I could see why there would be the confusion in thinking it would be a vascular disease, but it is a respiratory disease. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so moving away from more the science aspect of it, I guess, um, I did hear a rumor that schools would not be starting until January. Um, on the reservation, can you speak to that at all? I can a little bit. So okay. um, the incident command team is actually going to review tribal schools reopening plan. Um, but from what I've seen from their paperwork, it doesn't look like they're going to wait till January. Um, and they're, they're taking precautions um, like decreasing class sizes. Um, they're also going to make, um, or they're going to attempt to provide more opportunities for distance learning just in case someone does become sick um, and they're also having built-in days that for lack of a better term are, are COVID days kind of like a snow day um, but they're they're taking into account that you know a large portion of the the um, student body may get sick at some point and they may need to shut down um, and so they're taking that into consideration but it doesn't sound like they're planning on starting um, in January. It sounds like they will start in August like they like they typically would. Um, you know, we'll have more details on that um, after the incident command team talks about it and uh, approves or disapproves it. So that's that's kind of how it's looking right now. Probably not January. Um, now as far as like um, MIDS goes, I, I haven't seen any of, of their plans yet. Um, I don't believe this state is is pushing for uh, schools to start until January, um, but I can look into that more and we can talk about that again later. Okay. Um, then I had a question regarding the emergency food relief payment that we talked about last week and that was announced. 
Um, I've seen quite a few questions um, online about it as far as it being intercepted by like uh, child support or any other outstanding right. debts due to yeah, other tribal yeah. entities. So speaking with members <clears throat> of the um, MTL, uh, the way that the the proposal was drafted, it doesn't look like there's any language saying that it'll be intercepted by the tribe. Um, mm -hmm. If you have outstanding debts, that said, maybe if you do have outstanding debts, that might be, you know, uh, not a bad use for those funds. But no, the tribe the tribe is not going to um, send that out and then take it away. Um, it sounds like it's going to be given to each of the tribal members just as they'd originally planned. Okay. Okay, and then I had a few questions. Uh, does the tribe have plans in place for a second or multiple resurgences of COVID-19? Yeah, so that's that's a good question, Gary. Um, it does, and it's it's pretty similar to how we've been operating. If there is a resurgence or there's a large resurgence around the reservation area, um, the tribe is basically going to revert to its phase one stage where as many of its employees as possible will resume remote work, um, you know, will close down buildings again so they won't be um, available to the public and they can be, you know, sterilized and cleaned. Um, and so it's, it's kind of how we're progressing now where we've moved to kind of a phase two scenario um, and we're bringing more of the employees back. If, you know, there is a sudden flare up in the state across the country um, and we need to, we can always just scale it back um, to how we had it for the last couple months. Okay, and then you brought up bringing employees back. Um, what are the risks of spread after having employees come back to work? So I'm going to give you the great scientific answer of that depends, um, which is slightly better than a maybe. Um, if your coworkers are coming back to work and they're asymptomatic, um, the the risk is fairly low. I mean, they're still doing some studies on whether or not you can spread COVID-19 asymptomatically. The, the jury's kind of out on that one. But as long as you maintain, you know, social distancing and, and a little bit of caution, coming back to work um, should be fairly safe for all of the employees. Um, you know, not everyone's going to come back all at once. So the, there'll be more space in the building and less opportunity for exposure. So it's, it's something that the tribal members um, shouldn't be too concerned about. Um, both the incident command team and MTL have, have really tried to put the, the safety of the community um, up as the, the highest priority. And so that we're at a point where we feel it's safe for them to come back. And, and if we feel it's no longer safe for them, we're definitely going to pull back the reins um, and have, have more remote work again. So, yeah. Are the public, are the like tribal offices, they're still closed to the public, correct? So they're sort of, sort of. Um, sort of, yeah, they're, they're close to walk-ins. You can't just walk in and, and see someone, but if you do need to see an employee in a specific department, call ahead. Um, you can definitely make arrangements to come um, and then you can enter the building, but there'll be at this point less free flow of traffic than usual. Um, but they, they're not fully open. I'll just say it that way. Okay. Um, did you have any final messages for people for the weekend, maybe? Uh, just to stay safe and stay healthy out there. Um, try not to get in big crowds. Hawaii Wannon for listening to the Menominee Indian Tribe of Wisconsin podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. 
You can also listen to the podcast on menominee-nsn.gov under the community tab and keep up to date by following us on Facebook at MITW Podcasts. And we are trying to do weekly updates with Vaughn, um, and we welcome any community questions you have or topic suggestions around COVID-19. So please send those to us via email at podcast at mitw.org.